Hey, what's up all you investors out there? This is Dustin Heiner with the Master Passive Income Podcast. And today we are gonna be talking about how you can get started investing in real estate if you have no money, you have no credit, you have basically nothing. And it's gonna be work. We're gonna have to put in some time, put in effort and work hard to get started investing. But I'm gonna give you how I, if I had to start everything from scratch where I, I didn't have any money, I didn't have any credit, I didn't have really any plan. This is what I would do if I needed to get started from scratch and I would build it up as just as I did to where now I'm able to do whatever I want, whenever I want. I quit my job and now I can spend my time living the life of my dreams. All right, everybody, let's get into this next podcast, podcast session number seven, where we talk all about getting started if you have nothing. All right, let's go. Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about investing in real estate rental properties with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here is your host, Dustin Heiner. All right, thank you guys very much for joining me with this session number seven of the Master Passive Income Podcast. Now, I am currently still, currently still, I am still in my six-week vacation going through Europe with my family, my beautiful wife, my four kids. We're having a fantastic time going everywhere all throughout Europe. We started in England, went to Scotland, then Ireland, got done with Israel, Austria. Now we're currently in Germany visiting some really good missionary friends, Christian missionary friends. We're visiting them um, in Germany. They are a part of the Black Forest Academy. It's a, it's a school um, that, he, that they are missionaries here working and teaching here in the school. And we're able to visit here and to be a part of their lives for a little bit, encourage them up as best we can and, and just be friends with them. And here's, I want to give you something that was really funny. So I'm driving... Uh, you know, I rented a car. I'm driving my family all around Austria and Germany. And so I'm driving through the city. The city's, you know, um, 30 kilometers an hour in some, per some parts, 60 kilometers an hour um, in other parts. And I realized that, okay, 60 kilometers an hour is about 40 miles an hour. Um, and because I just tried to think um, conversion, I looked it up. Okay, 60 equals 40. And um, so I'm driving 40 miles an hour in the city, but then I get on the freeway. And as I'm driving on the freeway, I'm, I'm going the, it says there's a posted speed limit of, I think it was hundred kilometers an hour. And so I'm driving the speed limit of hundred kilometers an hour. And all of a sudden a car zooms past me so fast. It was absolutely amazing and crazy how fast, I mean, I'm going hundred kilometers an hour, which I don't really recall what that actually is. I think it was maybe like um, 75 miles an hour or something like that, maybe 80, somewhere around there. But it flies so fast beside me and just zooms. I mean, and, and if you think about a, a super, super fast car, just literally one second's there and the next second's gone. It was going that fast. It had to have been going 200 miles an hour. Well, I wouldn't say maybe 150, but super crazy fast. And I looked over and I was like, what in the world just happened? You know, I'm thinking, I'm looking at the speed limit being 100 kilometers an hour. And um, I was like, wow, that is fast. So I keep driving and we're driving a long way from Austria 
all the way to Kandern, which is where we're staying in Germany. It's a good uh, six-hour drive. You know, we stop and see a, cast, a couple castles. Amazing, amazing trip. Super beautiful. I absolutely love the Alps. I used to love the Sierra Nevada mountains as being my favorite mountains. No, no, no. The Alps are, are amazing. Anyways, if you ever have a chance, come here and see it. So, I continue on my trip. I'm driving, um, you know, the many, many hours on the freeway, and I find myself going a little faster. I'm trying to keep up with the speed of traffic because traffic is going pretty fast. And then I'm just driving along with everybody, and I look down, and I realize, oh my goodness, I'm going 160 kilometers an hour. And I don't really know, at the time I didn't know the conversion. And so I started, people are still passing me. So I mean, flying by, zooming past me. And then I put on the gas a little bit more and I actually get up to, before I know it, I'm up to 200 kilometers an hour and I'm just driving next to everybody. 200 kilometers an hour. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, this is probably about like a, I don't know, 90 miles an hour at the time because I didn't know, I since then did the conversion. At the time I didn't know what, how fast I was going. So I'm driving, I'm going super duper fast apparently because I look down, I'm going 200 kilometers an hour. I'm thinking, wow, this is, and what, what's funny is, I'm like, it's actually cannot go any faster. Like I literally push the gas pedal down more and I'm driving a diesel and uh, it cannot go any faster. It's going 200 kilometers an hour, just top end out. And there's a funny thing. I'm in a minivan. <laughs> I'm flying in a minivan, a minivan going 224, almost 225, sorry, 200, sorry. 200 kilometers an hour is 125 miles an hour. Oh my goodness, that was super duper fun. Even though we would absolutely be destroyed if we got in a car wreck, you definitely shouldn't go that fast. I just realized like, wow, I'm actually going this fast with everybody else. All right, that's my uh, my little fun experience of today. But I absolutely loved driving on that freeway. It made a, what, like seven hour trip turn down to six. It was It was great. So let's jump into this session, number seven, where we're talking about what you should do to get started if you have nothing. So basically, if everything was stripped away, how would I start out from scratch investing in real estate? Now, I get this question all the time. Um, basically, almost every single person says, I don't have any properties, I don't have any cash, or you know, any money, um, I don't have any credit. How would I get started investing in real estate? And I would say, okay, well, let's look at it. Let's logically look at it what you need as well as what you need to get there. You know, what's the process, the plan that you need to put in place to get there. So what I want to do is I want to help you because maybe you're in the same position where you don't have any money, where you don't have any credit or your credit's really bad. You need to look at the obstacles that are in your way as just things that you need to get over, like the problems you need to solve. You're an entrepreneur. If you're going to start investing in real estate, you're an entrepreneur and entrepreneurs, they are problem solvers. Right now, your problem could be you don't have any credit or you have bad credit. We got to solve that problem. It could be that you don't have money to start investing. We got to solve that problem. It could be you don't have the education. You have a lack of knowledge of how to buy a good property. Well, we got to solve that problem. And that's what actually is um, one of the best ways for you to actually make money being an entrepreneur is solving a problem, helping other people out as well as solving problems that you come across and what you find. 
I know I've had to solve many problems like, hey, I can't get funding for this one property. How do I work it out? I'll give you an example. I think I mentioned it before, but recently I had a three bedroom, sorry, a three, I had three single family homes and a duplex that an investor was selling. And in while he was selling it, I was like, well, I don't want to pay all cash. I had the cash, but I didn't want to pay all cash um, for these properties. Um, and so, but I wanted to figure out a better way to buy these properties. So what it, I asked the seller, uh, this investor, what they actually needed. They needed $25,000 in cash, and like that's what they absolutely needed. Well, I said, well, how about I give you $25,000 in cash and the rest we do as a seller financing? Because they didn't need to sell the properties. They just needed the cash and were, would be fine with the seller financing. I said, that's the only way that I could buy it. And the investor said, okay, I'll take it. So we did put a up, worked up all the paperwork and got everything ran through. Now I pay them every single month because I got rents coming in. I pay them just like they're the bank. And I have now three properties and a duplex that bring in money. So I'm making $1,500 all these properties every single month and still have, uh, I only paid out $25,000 for it. Anyways, I found that there was a problem that the seller needed to get fixed. So I fixed that problem for them. So as an entrepreneur, think of problems that you need to solve, get them in order, in list, listed order of importance, and start knocking them out. Okay, so let me get, a, get into what I would do if I were to start over from scratch. Okay, so the first thing that I would do is, and most people, um, I would say, do have a job, a decent job, maybe a bad job, but a job in general, the first thing I would do is I would get a job. Um, any job that actually that I that I could get that paid decent money, um, but I would start working a job because cash money in your pocket is the lifeblood of your business. If you don't have cash, it's really hard. If the more cash you have, the easier it is to buy properties. You can, you know, if you have, you know, $150,000 to buy a house um, cash, you can just buy it. You don't have to worry about banks or anything like that. It's so much easier. But you can also do seller financing. There's many different ways to get properties. But what you want to do is you want to start saving money to get a new property, to buy a property. So first off, I would get a job. Um, if you have a bad job, I would start looking for a new job. I would start looking to how to increase um, the money that comes in from that one job. Maybe if I'm a, in a sales position, how I can do things more efficiently, work harder, whatever it might be to increase that income. So first one is to actually get a job and keep that job where you're making money. Now, you can also sacrifice now so you live the dream life like I do. Um, now, where I have plenty of properties, but I don't need a job. Sacrificing meaning you could, if you needed to, get a second job. Get a second job so you can increase the amount of money that is coming into your pocket as opposed to not having enough money coming in. So it very well could be where you get a second job delivering pizzas. I mean, whatever it might be, but save that money. So this is the second step. First step is get a job, possibly get a second job, increase the income that comes in. So what you want to do for the second step is to cut expenses out. You want to cut the expenses out of your budget so that you actually have the ability to save. So this is 2A and 2B. This is of the steps. 2A would be to cut your expenses. 
Now, you know, if and this is just for a short time because uh, remember, their goal is to get enough properties where you can do whatever you want. You can buy whatever you want. You can have as much uh, things as you want. If you want to buy a coffee every single day at Starbucks or some other you know local coffee company um, and spend $6 on a coffee every single day, you'll have enough money to do that. But right now, it's time to sacrifice. It's time to say, I'm going to live like nobody else in the future because right now I'm going to sacrifice really, really hard. And so along with getting an, maybe possibly getting a second job, it's cutting your expenses. It could be moving out of the house that you are currently living in and moving into a cheaper house where you have less money coming out of your pocket. You know, if you're paying $1,300 in rent every single month, well, how much money would you save if you were only paying 900, 800, something like that? You know, you sacrifice for a few years to where that if you're normal, the normal rent is 1300 that you're paying now, but you're living in an $800 a month rent, uh, you know, like apartment complex or home or something like that, well, you're saving $500 a month that you can put towards buying a property. I'm just giving you examples. You don't actually have to follow these, but think of ways you can cut so you can start saving. Imagine if you cut out the um, Starbucks coffee, you know, for, for, you know, every single day, or you buy one every other day instead of every day, how much money you would save. So two things in part two, or uh, point number two is cut your expenses. And then the second part is start to save your money. Now, part two B is saving your money. You want to at least work up to 10% of your total income that you bring in. So 10% of the money that you bring in, you want that to actually go into your pocket for future savings. So let's say you make $2,000 a month. Well, $200 should go into your savings account every single month that and that should be plain as day um uh, you that should be your standard is 10 percent. now you should shoot for getting over that you know if you get a second job well every penny of that second job should now go to savings so like i said it'd be in the intro this is hard work this is a way to actually um, uh, get you in a place where you you can retire or quit your job early so you want to work hard at doing that but at the same time you also want to make sure that you are saving that money, you know, cutting your expenses, saving money, increasing income. It's all about putting more money in your pocket for future investing. Okay, so the second point is you want to cut your expenses and save more money. Now, number three is you want to stop spending and going into debt and then also reducing or getting and eliminating your debt. So if you have credit cards that you're paying 10%, 15%, 20% interest on because you borrowed more than you actually had, you're paying, you're wasting your money. You're giving the money away to a bank for the privilege of using their money before you actually had it. So it's a waste of money to have interest on your credit cards. Honestly, even having a student loan or a home loan, those things don't bring money into your pocket. Good, good debt is where you buy a house with a mortgage and the rent pays for the mortgage as well as puts money in your pocket. Uh, if you listen to Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, his rich dad had a saying that good debt puts money into your pocket, bad debt takes money out of your pocket. If you have a home that you don't rent out, that you live in, it's it's good because you have a home to live in, but it's also bad debt because money's not going into your pocket. So what you want to do is look at and your this third point is don't overspend 
Don't live paycheck to paycheck and don't go into debt. And 3B along with that, so part, uh, part three, uh, point number three is don't go into debt. And 3B is to get out of debt. Start working on getting out of debt because you're throwing away money in interest. If you're paying $150 in interest every single month, imagine if you didn't have to pay that interest. That's $150 left in your savings account every single month to invest. So that's point number three is don't overspend and don't go into debt and start paying off all of your debt, all your credit cards, your student loans, things like that. Now your home loan, you know, if you have a 30 year fixed on your home, um, that might, I would say don't pay that off um, personally because you can use that money to invest. But any that's in any huge interest type debt, like especially credit card debt, get rid of that as fast as possible. Start putting money away towards that. And now there's some, I have some keys on how to actually get rid of debt faster, you know, snowballing it, paying off one credit card that has the lowest amount, taking that, once you pay that one off, um, move to the next one, start paying that one off, take all the money from all those, keep putting, and just keep snowballing it into the next credit card and get rid of that debt as fast as possible. All right, now on to step number four. Now steps number one, two, and three, are getting you in a place where you can have good credit, you can have cash, you're not overspending, you're able to now invest in properties. And now is the time to start looking at how to educate yourself, how to get more knowledge about buying the right properties, buying it well, buying it so that you don't lose money every single month, buy it so that you're making $250 a month in passive income that goes into your pocket every single month after all the expenses are paid. So now is the time to start looking for properties as well as educating yourself on how to do it right, but then also in the area you want to invest. So this is what I would do. Now I would start reading books. I would personally go to a blog like mine and read every single blog post, listen to every single podcast. I devour as much information because it's basically real estate has been around since the beginning of time. I mean, everybody has either owned or been a, a rented or, but real estate has been around forever. And the process of doing business in real estate is not new. Everything that I'm teaching I've learned from other people, also from my own mistakes and successes, um, but it's nothing new. Everything is simple. Everything has been done before, so start learning. Learn as much as you can. And in doing that, you're going to be able to spot a good deal. You know, if you're going to go to Zillow.com, Z-I-L-L-O-W.com, and start looking for properties that are really close to you, and you find a property that's really close, that, hey, this looks like it's a good house. It's, you know, it's for sale by owner, and they're asking this, this, and this. Well, if I used, before I bought my first property, before I learned how, I always thought, oh, first sale by owner is probably the better one to get because there's no realtor fees, and it's probably a good deal, and all that sort of stuff. Well, it turns out that's not definitely not the case. You need to find a good deal. So, Step number four is to educate yourself, but then also, as you're learning, start looking for properties. If you live in you know, Alaska, start looking for properties in Alaska or in another state. Start looking for properties so that you understand the market. If Alaska is a great place to rent, there's a lot of renters there, then find a property in Alaska. If you live in California, like I did when I first started investing, it's a horrible place to invest because you will not make any money unless you uh, just... 
I'm just going to say you can't make money or my opinion uh, is it's very, very hard to make money. You have to find an amazing, outstanding deal. All that to say, if you're living in some place like California, you don't want to invest there and you want to invest like in, in Idaho or Wyoming or uh, North Dakota or something like that. You want to invest in another state. You can absolutely do that. You just need to educate yourself on how to build a team and a business that's going to run automatically on its own, which I show and how this is how I run my business and I'm how I'm able to be in Europe for six weeks. Now, as, as well as doing that, you can look through Zillow.com for properties in the area. Just pick a city and start narrowing down in that city and get to know that city really, really well. Know which areas are good, which areas are bad, what the prices are, um, how, how, how they're selling, how fast they're selling. You get to know everything. Give you an example. If you're going to go buy a car, you're going to research, or most people would research what type of car they want, you know, what color, um, what model, what make, what size engine, you know, some similar things. Some people might be more meticulous than others, but you're going to understand the market of that car. You're going to know, you're going to want to know how much is a good price. You know, if buying a car for $15,000 is a a horrible price because you can buy it for $5,000, well, you just lost a lot of money because you didn't educate yourself. So what you want to do is you want to learn the market. Just like learning the market for a car, what's a good price, you're going to learn the market for a property in the area that you're going to invest. Because if you just say, I'm going to look for a a property in all of America, well, you're going to be hurting yourself because Everywhere is different. Every city is different. Even every uh, you know state is different. So you need to narrow in on one specific state. Um, listen to my prior podcast where I talk about how to invest out of state and how to look for a new new area to invest. Um, I, I walk you through how to do that. But what you want to do is you want to look at the area so you know what's a good deal when it comes up. You want to educate yourself. Like in, in the areas that I invest, I've done so much research that as soon as a property comes up, that's a good deal. I instantly know. I mean, it might take me three minutes to look at the price, the income, and all that sort of stuff. But I know what a good deal is before it pops up. So when it does, I can jump on it. Because you, the last thing you want to do is buy a property that you're going to lose money on. You're not going to make money. And if you don't know the area, you don't know what kind of properties there are, how they're selling, and all that sort of stuff, if you haven't educated yourself... You're not going to know what a good deal is if it actually slapped you in the face. So start looking for properties and continue to build your education. Continue to listen to my podcast. Go to the blog. Um, I have I have books on there. I have a bunch of resources for you. Get on my newsletter. I send out content just for the newsletter people that are on my newsletter. I even have a free investing guide if you sign up. Anyways, let's move on to step number five. Step number five is start talking to all your friends and let them know that you're now a real estate investor. You're no longer, you know, Bob that works at the, the laundromat or, you know, the, the car wash place or, um, you know, the accounting per, uh, firm or whatever. You're no longer that. You are now a real estate business owner. You're now an investor. Even if You might not even have a property under your belt, but it's all about your mindset. You want to be, instead of being, you know, Bob that works at an accounting firm and you invest in business or real estate on the side, you want to say that I'm an investor with a side job. Like, don't even mention your job, but if you need to, yeah, I have a side job that brings in extra income um, as I'm building my business, but you're now an investor. So you need to shift your mindset to where now you are an investor. Now, I'm not a big person on, you know, the like an hour of power or five minutes where you look in the mirror and you say, I am beautiful, I am an investor. I'm not big into that. That's just not how I am. If you are, then fantastic, do that. But it's getting your mindset changed from being a 
employee to now being a business owner where you are the one that calls the shots. You're the one that is making all the money. You're the one that's benefiting from the company. So start talking to everybody. Tell them that you're an investor and what, all your friends. Like Point number five is talk to all your friends and family, the people that you know, and let them know you're an investor. Not and don't do it in like a, a spammy sort of way where like, hey, I'm investing. I'm an investor. Hey, come look at me. I'm an investor. No, just in casual conversation because you're building your business. Whenever anybody literally asks you, what do you do? You say, well, I invest in real estate. I invest in rental properties. This is what I do. And, you know, they might say, well, how many properties do you have? And you say, well, I'm currently building my portfolio right now. And so this is, you know, I'm educating. I'm finding areas, you know, just be honest, but tell them what you're doing if they ask that. Because um, I get asked, you know, how many properties have I? I have a couple dozen, you know, two or three dozen of properties. I don't give them a specific number. All that to say, you just need to be honest, but at the same time, let them know this is who you are. You're an investor now. Now, these friends and family that you're now telling your investor, they could potentially become investors with you, lending you money for deals where they become uh passive investors with you, where you are the one getting the deals, you're the one locking it down, they're giving you money to buy the property, so they're investors in the deal, they get a portion of the equity, they get a portion of the rent that comes in, you're partnering with them, you're still the lead, but you're working together as a team where you're using their money and you're paying them back. So step number five, start talking to all your friends, letting every and family and, and anybody you know, letting you know you're a real estate investor, that you invest in rental properties. What that's going to do, it's going to benefit you hugely because now it, the word is going to be out there and people are going to come to you if they have deals, hopefully, or, you know, whatever. It's, it's, going, to, it's going to come back because networking, this business is all about networking. It's all about building a team around you. All right, number six. Next step I would do is I would start talking to local banks, local banks about the real estate business, how you want to build a real estate business and find out what you need from, they need from you to get a loan. Now, local banks, I have found, if you're starting to build a business, local banks, because you're talking to somebody one-on-one, face-to-face, this is not you know, like your big national banks, Chase or Bank of America or whatever. Um, this is not a bank like that, where they are just about, I wouldn't say just about the numbers, but they have um, set procedures and policies set in place where they, they can't bend the rules because it's already been set from the big corporate office. You talk to the local banks, like the local credit union or just a, a local, um, you know, city uh, a bank that's inside of your city, you talk to them about getting a loan and say, this is my business. I, I, I have properties that I'm going to um, show you that I'm going to need loans for these business for these uh, properties. I'm going to show you the income expenses. I'm going to help you um, understand my business so that you can I can get loans from you and I will be able to build the business and make you money on this at the same time. So you want to be talking to and establishing business relationships with banks and bankers in the areas, the one that actually approves the loans because you want to talk to the people that are actually going to say yes or no to the loan. Uh, and so if you just go to some, you know, like big bank, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to help you. I'm not going to say they're not, but I've found that the local banks would be more lenient or they can bend the rules a little bit because they understand you. They're basically giving you as a person a loan. Obviously the deal is good. They want to make sure that the, the property you're buying is good, but they're banking on you 
that you're going to repay the loan, that you're honest, that you're trustworthy, that you're, you're an investor. And a big bank won't necessarily do that. So that's step number 6A is talk to local banks. 6B, you know, six part, part of that goes along the exact same lines. You want to talk to mortgage brokers in the state that you're, that you're going to be investing in and get to know them and get to know what they need from you in order to get pre-qualified. Getting pre-qualified is basically saying that you're already qualified to get a loan from them. They're, they're, they've already screened you. They're already saying, okay, this is how much we're going to let you borrow if you get a deal, if you get a property, and we're going to let you borrow that. So you're already telling the whoever you're buying the property from, you're telling that seller, hey, I already have the ability to buy the property. Come into contract with me so I could buy it from you. Here is my uh, proof of qualification, my proof of funds, my qualification that I will buy the property, that I have financing set up. So 6A was talk to local banks, get all their information of how you can get a loan from them. 6B would be talk to mortgage brokers. Talk to mortgage brokers about how you can utilize their services to get a property because you want to have as many options as you can to buy a property. Local banks, big banks, whatever it might be. Um, but you got to be networking, getting people on your team. Number seven is talk to realtors to help you find a property. Talk to realtors. Let them know that you invest in cash flow. Now, I'm not saying find any realtor. I'm saying do your best to try to find realtors that understand cash flow, that understand rental properties, that understand how to rent a property. They don't actually have to do it themselves, but they have to understand that you're not buying this as a home you're going to live in. This is not something, oh, these curtains and drapes are beautiful and look at this paint color. You know, this paint color is great. Who cares about that? You're going to paint it whatever, you know, neutral colors so that people that want to are going to move in, they're not going to be turned off by it. You just want a nice place that people would like to live. You don't want somebody that a realtor that's going to be saying, uh, thinking that you're a homeowner, that you're going to be living in it. You want somebody that knows how to work with investors, how to get them a cash flow positive every single month from the rents. So talk to realtors. So that's 7A. I got 7B for you. Here's a tip that um, I don't give out a lot, but I'm going to give this to you. What you want to do is you want to look for wholesalers. Wholesalers are basically realtors. They actually, but they, they're one step better. They lock down the deal. They lock down a property under contract. They basically find the seller, get the, the seller to agree to a contract, and then sell that contract to somebody else like you, an investor. I've bought many properties from wholesalers, and it's terrific. I love buying from wholesalers because they, they work hard. In fact, I've found, sorry to um, insult any realtors. I hope I don't, but I've found that wholesalers that I work with work harder than realtors. They are out there finding deals because realtor, they could just you know look on the MLS and say, hey, how about this property? Or how about this house? But a wholesaler actually gets it under contract so that it's locked down. If you say yes and you agree to their terms, you have the property, you have the deal. So this is what a wholesaler would do. A wholesaler would say, hey, Dustin, I have, you're the investor. I have this property. It's They're asking $100,000 for it. And after you fix it up and you put $10,000 to it, it'll be worth $150,000. And you could, it'll rent for you know $1,500 a month. Um, all I need from you is that you pay me $5,000 for the transaction. Like this is my fee for getting the deal. And if I'm looking at the deal and I'm saying, wow, I'm going to be making cash flow, a ton of cash flow, and I'm, I don't have to do any work finding the property. He's already got it locked under contract and he just wants $5,000 for it. 
I just put that in my numbers and if it works out great, so I'm gonna buy the property from him because he did all that work and I'm fine with paying him whatever. Um, you know, $5,000, $2,000. I paid as little as I think it was like $1,000 to somebody for finding a, me a property that makes me money hand over fist. So I'm fine with paying somebody um, the ability to buy a property from them, just as long as my numbers work out. If the numbers don't work, I don't buy it. But that is, I love you uh, finding wholesalers. Now here's a tip that I wanna give you in how to find wholesalers. Everybody has driven around their town and seen those signs that are posted on, you know, in the grass or on, um, telephone poles, you know, the wood telephone poles that say, I buy houses um, fast and cash or something like that. Like, I'll buy your ugly house. You know, those types of signs. We've all seen those. Well, that's a wholesaler. Those are wholesalers looking to lock properties under a contract, under um, under their name, so they can, but then also they can assign it. But those are wholesalers. Those are wholesalers that want to find leads for properties, but they also want investors. They want a buyer's list. They want to find people that are ready to buy properties. So call these num call the number that you see on those signs and say, hi, my name is Dustin, or whatever your name is, and I am an investor. Could you put me on your buyer's list and whatever deals you had, here's my email address, email them over to me, I'll take a look at them. Um, and so that's a way to get wholesalers to send you deals, just like you can get realtors to send you deals. So do that, get people to start looking for properties for you, get a realtor on your team, get a wholesaler on your team, or many realtors and many wholesalers. Just keep getting those deals coming in and start analyzing those deals. If you go to my website, masterpassiveincome.com, you go into my resources section, and I have a single family property calculator that you just put in the numbers in there, and it's gonna give you how much you're gonna make every single month in passive income. And so go through running the numbers on the properties. I even have a video there that shows you how to use Zillow and use my rental property calculator in order to figure out if the property's worth or and is a good deal and worth to actually buy. So do that, find properties using realtors and wholesalers and actually run the numbers so that when it comes time to where you actually can buy a property, you have a property and you know coming from a realtor or a wholesaler and you have run the numbers or you know how to run the numbers so you can run them really quick that you have educated yourself well enough to find the property. Also, let's move on to number eight, how to actually buy properties before you even have money. So number eight would be make offers with seller financing. So if you wanted to make an offer on a property, but you don't have the money, you can actually offer, you know, here's my offer. You know, they're asking $100,000, offer $120,000, but do it with seller financing and put the seller financing in there as the, you know, you'll put maybe $2,000 down payment, $5,000 down payment, whatever it might be. So you have a down payment. And this is if you don't have good credit, you you want to do seller financing because banks look at credit. They look, check your credit and they make sure that you can, um, you know, the, your, your debt to income. And they do a lot of checks in order to give you the loan. A seller financing deal is not going to be nearly as stringent or have as many checks as a regular mortgage from a bank. So what you want to do is you want to make offers with sell as with seller financing. So if you want to put an offer for $120,000, say you'll give them um, you know a 30-year note or a 20-year note or whatever it might be, whatever works out pencils out to usually 30 years is better because you have the payment spread out over many years and a lower amount 
per month coming out of your pocket, which means more money in your pocket. Um, but really, what it comes down to is you want to say, I offer, I'll offer seller financing, and I'll give you, you know, whatever the going rate is, 4% right now, I think it is, plus 2%. So I'll give you 6%, which is better. What they would get in um, a savings or a CD money market is better than what they would get, and they, they actually get money. And you never know if a seller is actually going to say, hey, I don't really need to sell this house. I'll go ahead and take the selling of finance because over the long term, I'm going to be the bank. I'm going to be making a lot of money. So start making offers with seller financing. And it's you already have, here, here's my perspective. If you start thinking in your head, well, I don't want to insult the seller and they're going to say no, so I'm not going to do it. Well, number one, um, who cares about insulting somebody? You're not insulting them. You might be helping them out. Think of this as the way to help them out of a problem. Maybe they just need to get out of their... They don't want to have this headache of living in a property, so you're going to buy it from them. That's solving a problem. And they want monthly income coming in as opposed to you know, um, uh, getting a, a lump sum because they might get taxes on them or capital gains tax or whatever it might be. And your seller financing actually solves that problem. Don't think of yourself and your offer as going to be insulting to a seller. Who knows? It might insult somebody, but... What if it doesn't? What if it helps the person out? It actually benefits them to go with seller financing. So this is what you want to do is put in the offer. And here's another key. You already have a no. You don't have the property now. You already don't have a yes on that property. Go ahead and put in the offer. If they say no, they say no and move on. What if they counter and say, well, your seller financing great, but you need to up the down payment. So you were offering $2,500 down payment or $5,000 or whatever it might be, we want $10,000 down payment or you know $8,000. We want more down payment, but we're okay with the seller financing. And that's a negotiation that you're gonna to have to go through. But you already have a no now without putting an offer. You don't have the property, you don't have it under contract. Might as well put in the offer because you already have a no. The worst you can do is get another no and seal the deal and you move on, you find another property. So start putting offers in as seller financing offers. I already have a no now, so I might as well put in the offer because by the time you actually get a property under contract, you have the deal, you've already looked at lots and lots of properties. You know this is a good deal because you've already run the numbers on everyone. You know what is a good deal and what's a bad deal. Now you're able to jump on the property. And if you get one with seller financing, then you have a great deal that's gonna be making you money every single month. Now, the next step that I would do, step number nine is I would continue to make offers. That's really what it comes down to. Every no is the next one to a yes. Imagine yourself going around selling knives from door to door. You know, if you're Cutco or whatever, you know, company, you're trying to sell something door to door. What they say is you're one no closer to a yes. So you have a street full of 15 homes. You knock on the door and you give your sales pitch, you get a no. You knock on the next door, you get a sales pitch, you get a no. The next door, you sell pitch and get a no. The next door, you sell pitch, you get a yes. Hey, you made a sale. So it, it's a numbers game. If you don't put any offers out there, you're not going to get any properties. But the more offers you put out there, let's say you put out 10 offers. Well, if you get one, that's 10% of the offers that you put out. You get one deal. Then that's all worth it, all those other offers in there. So keep repeating this process. Now that's how I would start from scratch. Now let me give you a bonus tip. The bonus tip would be now that you have a first property, once you buy your first property, here's the tip I'm gonna give you. 
Save every penny. Do not spend that passive income that, that comes in. You know, you might start making $250 a month in extra income. Well, that's fantastic. You might be tempted to, you know, get a, a, a new car and use that $250 to get a new car and pay the the, um, the bank $250 a month for that car um, or spend more money and keep spending the things that come in. What you wanna do, and here's the biggest, strongest tip I can give you. Once you make that passive income, save every penny of it, put it in a savings account with the money that you're saving from your job and how much you cut from your debt and you're not paying an interest. All the money that you're saving, save your passive income from your first property to buy another property. And then every money, every bit of money that comes in every single month from that new property, save that so that you can buy a third property. Same thing over and over again. Keep that process going. Save every penny because what happens is it snowballs. It'll be to where now you have 10 properties and you can't help but buy a new property. You can't help but buy another property because you have so much money coming in. By the time I got my 19th property, I had so much money coming in that I could just buy a new property almost every single month because I had so much money coming in. I just didn't need to um, actually worry about money anymore because I had so many properties coming in. The sooner you get more properties, the sooner you can quit your job, the sooner you can live the dream life. So that's my bonus tip for you. Do not spend the money that, you, that comes in from your properties. Use that money to buy more properties. All right, so this has been the session number seven that people have been all waiting for. How to get started with no money, no credit or bad credit, and no knowledge. How to get started investing in real estate. I hope you learned a lot. I hope you jump into investing in real estate. Now go to my blog and masterpassiveincome.com. Sign up for my newsletter if you haven't already. And in my newsletter, I'll give you uh, my free investing guide that's going to walk you through um, even more so how to actually do it properly. Get the investing guide. Also, when you're part of my newsletter, you will also get the newsletters that I send out all the time. And I give you free content in my newsletter that you would not see on the podcast, you won't see on the blog. This is content specifically for the people on my newsletter to say thank you for being a part of Master Passive Income. All right, guys, this is the end of session number seven where we looked at how to start from scratch. Let's now get out there and start investing. All right, guys, I'll see you next time. 